Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Woo for Play Lube. Have you heard of Woo? Woo is the best organic, all-natural, and antibacterial lube I have ever used. It's made of virgin coconut oil, vanilla essence, natural stevia and beeswax, and is totally free of chemicals and preservatives. And unlike most lubes, Woo also smells and tastes great, just like cupcake frosting. I am not kidding you. Seriously, I offer it to the actors on my sets, and we all love it. Woo is simply the best. Silky smooth, all-natural, and tastes like dessert. What more could you want? If you want to enhance your love life or just want a better lube, buy it for yourself or treat that special someone, go to Woo4Play and enter discount code HOLLY and you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's Woo4Play, W-O-O-F-O-R-P-L-A-Y.com with the code HOLLY for 10% off. Get more play with Woo. This week on Holly Randall Unfiltered, I have the beautiful Ivy Wolf on. She is a hippie at heart, a free spirit, and a pretty much brand new performer who's really exploded on the scene. Everybody loves her and has been talking about what an incredible sexual force she is. She gives amazing scenes and she's just got a beautiful view of the world. And I'm so excited to have her here because I think you guys are going to really love getting to know her as a person. So let's welcome to the podcast, Ivy Wolf. Hello. Hi. Hi, Ivy. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to have you here because you are, I feel like you're a very different soul. (laughs) You're like, what the fuck does that mean, you weirdo? I've heard that too often. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, okay, so let's talk about the first time I heard about Ivy Wolf. I remember the first time I heard about you was when Mike Quasar... Uh, tweeted about you, and he said, this girl is amazing. She's going to be the next big thing. Mark my words. And you know Mike. He's a self-proclaimed, disgruntled pornographer, and he doesn't like a lot of people. And so for him to go out of his way and say something like that about you is pretty honestly like pretty telling. So I remember reading that and thinking, oh, wow, Like if Mike likes this girl, then she's got to be pretty special. I really did. I was like, okay, I'm like, let me look this girl up. Cause like, you know, me and Mike are friends and I, I trust his opinion. And then, um, and then we ended up booking our first shoot for twisties in that like crazy location in Pico Rivera with the cop. And then do you remember when we met? Yes. I remember the horrible, god-awful thing I fucking said, and I still hate myself for it. Oh, my God. No, you're so funny. But I just I feel like it's kind of like a private joke between us now. So, um, And I remember even when I said it, I said it like jokingly, but there was a part of me was like, fuck, fuck she's going to – No, not fuck you, but like knowing that you were probably going to be a little bit mortified because we had just met. Yeah. So basically, you were like, hey, you look really tired. And I was like, I'm just old. And then you were like, oh, no. And then I I think the rest of the day, you were just like, you were a little worried that I didn't like you. Yeah. (laughs) 
literally mortified that I said that. I just walked in and I was like, oh my god, this woman looks like she works so hard and she looks so tired and I just want to hug her and like give her food. <laughs> and it just came out like, you look tired. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I know, but I was terrible like the way that I responded to. I don't know why. I mean, I was joking, but anyways, I feel like, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I need to make sure this girl knows like I really do adore her because god! our shoot was so awesome. It was. And we've worked together several times since. You were Twisty's Treat of the Month a little while ago, and you were amazing. Um, and actually, I wanted to tell you – sorry, I'm just going to oh. do that. Like put big things in your face. Um, that Twisty's reached out to me after they got the content back of you and specifically told me it was one of like the best treat shoots that they'd gotten. And I don't get a ton, a ton of feedback from them. I usually only hear if I did something wrong. <laughs> So I was like, wow, they really like it. And it was. It was so it was so fun. It was very different than, was, than what they do. Yeah, because they've really taken this new creative path, which I really like. I um, really like that too. I really feel like we've been doing some super creative, awesome stuff, and they've been giving me a bigger budget, which has been, been great. So it's been really enjoyable <laughs> for me to shoot. Um, but I feel like they we really just did such a great concept for you because we did we did a couple different looks but the one that I feel like really suited you was that 70s mm-hmm. bohemian girl look and I got this incredible set designer and it just fit your personality yeah. perfectly. There was Fleetwood Mac playing. Yes, it I was, was in the zone. You were. <laughs> you were. And you're just, you're such a great model. I mean, you move, you know, the body awareness that you have is amazing. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and it's, Especially these days because, you know, the magazines are dead and it's not really about pictures anymore. It's about video Print is now. Dead. Yeah. So a lot of girls that I get don't know how to model. You know, they haven't been taught. Nobody told them about posing or about where they put your hands. So they have no idea what they're doing. It's easy when we have a photographer like you, Holly. Come mm. on, give yourself credit. Like, you always do like, hey, hey, I know you're forgetting about that toe right now. Oh, yeah. It needs to get pointed, honey bunny. <sighs> I'm like, yes, thank you, Holly. <laughs> Point your toes. Yeah, that is the one thing I'm really anal about. I love like, it. I just... <laughs> And it's, I've before I've threatened girls. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking foot bind you if you don't <gasps> point your goddamn toes. <laughs> like, don't give me those witches' feet. Come on, people, don't be lazy. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a big thing for me. But how? I mean, have you always been like that in front of the camera? Have you always felt comfortable and natural? Do you have like a dance background? Like, why? Why are you so good? <laughs> Where does it come from? Oh no. <laughs> I I never I've never really done anything. I mean, I was a stripper in Portland. I just have always like my body has always been my biggest artistic medium. Mm. I've always used it to express myself, my voice, my communication, just my body, the way that my facial expressions. I feel like Jim Carrey sometimes because my facial expressions just get crazy. <laughs> but that's who I am. Like I ex- use my body as my expressive medium. And so getting into an industry where that's um, appreciated was really, really awesome. Yeah. I felt I felt praised for something that I, I, I naturally could do. So that was an amazing, amazing feeling. But I really, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just comes inherently natural for you. Yeah. Yeah. I was blessed to have a very um, artistic mother. Okay. Who, who like really 
helped um, open me to, like, she didn't, a lot of people have trouble expressing themselves openly with their body and their mm-hmm. facial expressions. And my mom just really encouraged me to just say, fuck that. So was she, <laughs> was she a model at all? Or, like, what did no, she do? No, she didn't do anything. But I just remember, like, dancing with her. Mm. And, like, she was constantly singing. She didn't give a fuck about anybody's opinion. She would sing crazy loud in the grocery store. I just remember having this person in my life that was always like, I'm going to express myself and you can fuck off if you don't like it. And that was really amazing to have a woman like that to look up to. I I give so much credit to her. <laughs> yeah, that's because so many people, you know, really care about what other people think about them, and, yeah. and so many parents, I feel like, really squash their children's creative potential because no, you're not supposed to be this way, and you're not supposed to say those things. Mm-hmm. And but I know what you mean. My mom is also one of those people who doesn't give a <laughs> fuck what people think about her, and it is mortifying at times. Believe me. <laughs> But in the end, I, I really do appreciate that, you know, because that's a very unique quality. Yeah, and it made you the woman that you are, the yes. amazing Holly fucking Randall. So, <laughs> yes. So how did you get into the industry? Um, It was, there's a few different stories that I usually tell. Hello. Are any of them true? And they're all true. <laughs> My life is so complex, Holly. <laughs> but <laughs> you have no idea. But um, so basically... I had a roommate that was doing porn, and she was coming back, and she was just having the time of her life. She always had this huge, radiant smile on her face whenever she got back from a trip. Do we know who this is? Uh, Her name was Kiki Sweet. She's no longer in the industry and was very, very short period of time in the industry, and mostly on the East Coast. Okay. But lovely, lovely, lovely woman. Um, She was doing it, and she was telling me all these lovely things about it, and I was a nude model at the time. I kind of started on this shedding my sexual shame journey because mm. I had always felt like I wasn't expressing myself properly and I'm like we just discussed I'm all about like expressing myself and I felt like I wanted to be naked mm-hmm. in photos like I wanted to do that put mm-hmm. myself out there that way so I was trying to get into Hustler magazine and Penthouse and like trying to get into the nudie magazines um, and on that shoot to get into Hustler I was working for this, with this photographer and he was like you know, you should do porn. <laughs> and I was like, why do you say that? He's like, you should do porn. And so he called an agent that he knew, and I got signed with him the day later. And then I flew to L.A. a few days after that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your first scene? Um, my first scene was with Net Video Girls, and it was a three-way with Maya Angela, I don't know. That's a famous person. Yeah, Maya Angelou. <laughs> Somehow I feel like it wasn't her. <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh it wasn't God. her. <laughs> well, her name was Maya. <laughs> Very scattered, guys. But um, it was the three-way scene, and she squirted all over me, and I had never had a girl squirt on me at, at that point, and it was just like the most amazing experience. I was like choking her, telling her to be a good girl, petting her sweet, sweet little face. <laughs> had you been with women before that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I never had the juices like that. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, okay, you said it was a three-way. Who was the other girl? It was a three-way with a man. Oh, okay. And okay, they have okay. their, I can't even remember his wonderful name. But you remember his wonderful penis. <laughs> I remember his wonderful penis, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you did that scene, and did you feel like immediately like, okay, this is this is for me. This oh, yeah. This is what I want to do. This is This is the right career path for me yeah I didn't even have to think and I sex has always been my safe space mm-hmm. for me so 
like some place that I could express myself without judgment because usually that's where all walls just kind of fall away. Right. And it's just all about pleasure. You're not really thinking about, oh, well, I, I might look queer or like, yeah. it's kind of like we're having fucking sex. Right. So I just, I felt very comfortable and. I always think I look weird during sex. <laughs> Uh, not for everyone, maybe. No. <laughs> like, people ask me sometimes, they're like, why don't you do porn? I'm like, I don't even like looking at myself in a mirror Aww. when I'm having sex, like, much less putting myself on the internet and having, like, millions of people see it. Like, you just want to enjoy it, not, not have to pay thing. attention. It's not my thing. I'm not an <laughs> exhibitionist, so. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not for everybody. No. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you did your first scene. And um, how, I don't know, was the porn industry what you expected? Did you have any, like, preconceived notions that were immediately smashed? Or um, just tell me, like, a little bit about, because you're, how long ago did you start? You're still sort of, sort of new, right? I feel very, I still feel very new. And I think I've been in about a year. Um, Yeah, that's pretty new. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, comparatively, you know, to, like, most people that, and honestly, like, a lot of the times I don't have, quote unquote new girls on because usually they haven't like I don't want to say they haven't developed personality but usually like I, I don't know I don't they totally haven't developed personality yeah <laughs> I don't know they, they like haven't caught the eye of anybody yet or they haven't like developed stories or you know a narrative that I feel yeah. like the audience would find interesting but I feel like you came on the scene and you just kind of exploded yeah, I was like, hi, guys, do you like me? And everybody was like, we love you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, how was your, like, how did your fan base grow? Did it, like, start right away? Um, I think it's still growing. I definitely don't have as many followers as a lot of the other girls, but I understand that I don't work as much as the other girls. Um, I work very, very little compared to most people in the industry. How often do you work generally? Um, Maybe three days a week. Okay. I would be booked two days a Two times a day, if I if they would let them. But I just I really I love dedicating myself to the shoot and mm-hmm. just giving it 120 percent mm-hmm. of myself. And I feel like mentally giving that much every day would be really debilitating. Yeah, so. I feel like you'd start to phone it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't want to ever do that. Yeah, yeah. You never phone it in. I remember when I shot that scene with you and Scarlett Sage for Twisties. And, um, you know, the one thing that Twisties was pushing me for was really like, because, you know, girl-girl scenes can be, vi- well, you don't know because your scenes aren't like this, but a lot of girl-girl scenes can be very static. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the girls don't really move. One girl's eating the other girl out and both girls are kind of like immobile. Whereas like boy-girl scenes, there's a lot more action because obviously the man is thrusting in and out of the girls. So especially for ad moments, which um, a lot of my clients are very concerned with, where they take these little pieces of a scene and they speed it up and it's like kind of like clickbait to get your attention. Girl-girl scenes are hard to push in that way because a lot of times the girls just aren't moving that much, you know? I mean, honestly, like, sometimes shooting a girl-girl scene can be like watching paint dry. Yeah. Like, I'll fall asleep. I'll be like, oh, my God, this is so boring. And just, like, the fake moaning and just, you know, the half-hearted, oh, it's just, like, exhausting. But I remember, you know, shooting you and Scarlett, and we were shooting in, like, this police station. It was so uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, you guys were on, like, these super hard metal desks. Yeah. And, um, and I remember, I think there was this one 
and you were wearing like these big heels because you were playing like a hooker. Mm-hmm. And you got on top and you sat on Scarlett's face. And the way that like you were grinding on her and moving around in those heels on that metal desk, I just remember watching that and thinking to myself, oh my God, okay, this is exactly what Twisties wants, like all this movement. But second, like, how the fuck does she do that? <laughs> Like that's that was one of those. There are many moments that I have where I'm like, I could never be a porn star because I could never do that, or I'd be like they whining, do some crazy stuff, whining constantly. Like if you made me like put me in that position, I'd be so uncomfortable, I'd be so miserable, <laughs> and it'd be so obvious. That was one of those moments where I was like, nah, this ain't for me. Like I, love- I could not do that. <laughs> no way. I adore you so much. <laughs> I I definitely um. I noticed a lot because I did a lot of research before I got in too. I had actually just started watching porn what, what, before I got in. Oh, I had, really? I had never watched porn. Really? Yeah. Why? Why is that? You just weren't interested in it. You- I rather I didn't want to have some preconceived notion of what sex was. Interesting. I wanted to feel it and experience it and not have this like something holding me back. Like, oh, that might look weird. Like, oh, I've never seen that. Like, I wanted to just like have it's crazy that you were sex. that self-aware. At that age. I assume this is before you turned 18. Yeah. Because you're still like. <laughs> I'm only 22. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say like, you're 19, right? What do I know? <laughs> Everyone who's like under the age of like 30. I'm like, like oh, you're, you're still 19, right? <laughs> when did you graduate? Like I'm so old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I was never really drawn to it. Um, I definitely watched it like maybe once or twice in the very, very beginning of my sexual awakening. Mm. Um. <clears throat> I still remember grabbing my mom's laptop and, like, sneaking up in my room at, like, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and feeling this weird feeling, like, what is this? Like, oh, this is so wrong. Yeah. Then after that, I was just like, no, I want to, like, have my own sex, mm-hmm. have my own experiences and not have a preconceived notion of what it should be like. When you first watched porn, what what did you think about it? Like, do you remember what you saw and, and what was your reaction to it? I saw a girl eating another girl out because I was just like, I was, I've always loved, absolutely loved women. And <clears throat> I just remember having this weird feeling like one of them wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> Hence, watching paint dry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that girl really likes girls. And maybe that girl's like, I don't know how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that also um, – Later on, many, 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 many years later, encouraged me to be like, "No, we're gonna, we're gonna make that that viewer know that we like this, mm. we love this." Right? <laughs> do you ever get paired up with a girl who's not into it, and like, how do you handle that? I make them into it. <laughs> you just, <laughs> I make them into it. <laughs> okay, what does that mean exactly? Um, I love people, and this might come off manipulative, but I feel like I am good at making people happy mm-hmm. and, like, understanding them mm-hmm. and what they might need day to day. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I get a girl and she's, like, not really into girls, but she's, like, here, you know, maybe mm-hmm. she's had a shitty day or something, and that's even that's making it even worse. Mm-hmm. I'll just really work on, like, lifting her up, pumping her ego, giving her so many compliments throughout the day, like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> giving her what she needs to, like, get that boost up because yeah. she's just had a hard day and she's not really into girls and she's going to have to give a lot of energy to that scene because yeah. she's not into girls right. to make it a good scene. And I want her to, like, kind of explore and feel safe. Mm-hmm. So I I just really, like, try and focus on making her feel safe with conversation, like maybe even adapting my personality to hers because I can be 
pretty much anybody any given day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like maybe I'll be really soft and gentle, and then when we're having the sex like maybe I feel like her personality is really submissive Mm. so I'll be more dominant but I understand that she doesn't really like girls and she might be her ego might take a blow if I just go super dominant Mm -hmm. so I'll just be sweet and gentle but like subtly dominant Mm. and I feel like inside she's kind of like I've just had a really great day with this person like I don't really like girls but this is feeling really good yeah and I feel safe and I feel like I feel better. And so then you just kind of, I feel like it it gives a better scene because that girl is enjoying herself. You know, she's had this girl complimenting her and just talking to her and being so sweet all day. And then she gets in bed with her and this girl's like just wants to please her, everything in her. Yeah. And she's kind of like, yeah, I don't really like girls, but shit, this is nice. Well, And it translates. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, girls, all we want to do is feel loved. Yeah, exactly. We just want a lot of compliments and feel loved. It's like guys are like girls are so complicated. No, not really. No, not really. <laughs> I know what you mean though. Um, I love like the psychology that you apply to it because I do the same. Like I read people at the beginning and, and then I kind of yeah. will get an idea of how I need to be on set. With some girls, I'm a little more subdued. Like with other girls, I know I can say like whatever. Like yeah. I just kind of try to be careful and make sure that the girl feels safe and sexy and you know that she can express herself in this environment and exactly you know, and some, you get amazing content because of it yeah i mean and no, because you're awesome not always but sometimes <laughs> i try i do my best i do my best not to like freak them out you know yeah. i mean that's that's the main thing yeah. <laughs> some of them are a little more skittish than others yes that's true <laughs> now who are some of your favorite girls to work with that uh, you feel like you have really great connections with i absolutely love Kristen scott yeah she is like such a genuine human being. Mm-hmm. She's so easygoing mm-hmm. and nothing really throws her off. And mm-hmm. she's super submissive, which is awesome. Let's have this little like evil glint in your eyes when you said that. <laughs> Do you find yourself to be naturally more submissive or more dominant, or are you very much a switch? I'm very much a switch. Okay. I just don't get to entertain the dominant part of myself very often. And I really love submissive girls, like have serious weakness. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. If you're like in an actual relationship with somebody and it's not like just porn sex, do you, do you tend to go one way or the other? I definitely go back and forth all the time constantly. Okay. Like one day I'll be like, I'm a I'm a little girl, take care of me, huh? I'm submissive. And then the next day I'll be like, all right, motherfucker, here's what's going on. Something's <laughs> going up your ass and you're going <laughs> to fucking be happy about it. <laughs> just, you know... <laughs> Do you find, I mean, are you even trying to date right now or do you find dating more difficult or easier since you've gotten in the industry? I'm not trying to date right now and I, I'm very open and polyamorous. Mm. I don't think that I'll have like a very dedicated, committed relationship for a long time just because I'm kind of on this journey that I don't feel like a lot of people truly take mm-hmm. or take seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a young girl and as we all have probably felt the same. We've all been through a lot and been abused and a lot of us don't take the time to truly get to know ourselves while we're young and gain that sense of independence and get to know ourselves and get intimate with ourselves and figure out what our real true needs are separate from anybody else's opinions Mm -hmm. and wants and desires. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just really get to know myself to ensure that whatever relationship I do embark on, eventually I will be fully and completely okay in it and Mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to bring my issues and my baggage to that relationship. You're very self-aware for somebody. <laughs> I'm sure you've been told that before. Yeah. Because I remember when I was 22, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and now that I'm 40, I know that I know everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's how it goes, though. <laughs> I feel like the wiser you become, the more you realize how you don't know shit. Exactly. Personally. <laughs> Exactly. But that's that's really great that you have that that self-awareness and that you know like okay this I'm not this is not the right time for me to be in a relationship because I'm still growing and learning and discovering yeah. myself because a lot of people will jump into relationships because they're afraid of taking that journey on their own or they're afraid of the journey itself. Yeah. And they just want to cling to somebody and exactly. to feel safe. And you seem like somebody to me who is definitely not after like you're not trying to be safe. You're not trying to feel safe. You're trying to grow. Grow. I mean, it seems to me like you almost like to scare yourself sometimes. I, do. I literally purposely I went on this journey. I've been on a huge journey of just self, sexual shame. I'm the basis of it. The most basic way I can put it is it's a journey of shedding my fears because sexual shame is fear. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of going through my list of fears. Some silly. Some not. Some absolutely ridiculous. But I mean. I just really set out on this on this journey just to face my fears because I was so scared for so long, and I just get, I let myself get all wrapped up in the needs and wants and opinions of other people, and I just really realized like fuck, it's not gonna kill me, and if I do, I'm dying eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. So I remember I I, I swam with sharks um, like. I think it was six, seven months ago because that was one of my biggest, biggest, biggest fears was sharks. They just scared the fucking shit out of me. And I literally peed my pants. Like, like literally, the water changed. Like, it was just got warmer. You can pee your pants in the ocean. It's actually okay. It keeps you warm. I felt so embarrassed. Like, I was like, I don't know. I don't think anybody knew. Um, They definitely, the person I was with definitely knew. And they were laughing their ass off. But it's fine. You know, whatever. (laughs) What kind of sharks were they? They, I was in Bora Bora and they were totally harmless. So I feel even more ridiculous for the fact that I peed my pants. But, we got to swim with them, like, without a cage. Um, and some, were they, like, reef sharks? I think they were reef sharks. I asked as little questions as I could about them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I know too much, I might back out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just such an incredible experience. And I feel like pushing yourself and diving into your fears creates this, like, it opens other channels in your life mm-hmm. because suddenly there's so many more possibilities because you don't have this fear holding you back and you feel right. empowered as a person. Yeah. You feel like you can take on more so you can do more, you yeah. can accomplish more, Yeah, which I fucking love. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, fears are definitely, that's the one thing that's going to hold you back. Yeah. You know, and it's definitely a prison living in your, I mean, anybody with some kind of debilitating phobia like agoraphobia can tell you that. And um, I mean, the two. It's interesting that you talk about fear so much because you know the two basic drives behind um, human behavior is sex and fear. Exactly. And I feel like you're really exploring both of those things, and you're kind of intermingling them as well because you're also you're not exploring. You're not only exploring sex and fear, but you're exploring fear of sex. You're so insightful, Holly. Uh, oh my shucks. god! <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> You're doing amazing. <laughs> like, wow, that's a beautiful, beautiful insight. And to tell you the truth, I really never thought about it that, like that. But you're absolutely right. I am doing that. I'm 
trying to get to the core of who I am as a person, and I'm trying to build this motherfucker right here. Like, who I am, I'm trying mm-hmm. to build her. I don't know if you are familiar with Tony Robbins, but I absolutely adore that man, and he is a huge inspiration. He really just started at rock bottom, you know, not having anything, mm-hmm. not being the kind of person he wanted to be at all. I think he had a little bit of dr- trouble with drugs, which I'm familiar with because I, I am two and a half years sober. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's fucking awesome. Not including weed, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own their own thing. Yeah. And yeah. he built the person that he is. And mm-hmm. he like bangs on his chest and he goes, I built this motherfucker right here. Yeah. And I just really – I really – I think that's amazing. Like, you don't just get to end up, you know, mm-hmm. like these people that make it and have all this money or have all this success, they don't just end up that way. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, fuck them, but some of them yeah, do. Yeah, some of them are like trust fund babies. Yeah. But they, it's funny, then they always seem to find some way to self-destruct. Exactly, they do. It's like we we all need to go through that breaking point in order to, like, come out on the other side. Like, yeah. Like, life is never just a straight and narrow, a straight path. Exactly, and a lot of us put it off until we can't take it anymore, and then we have a midlife crisis, and mm-hmm. all this stuff starts happening, and we've just, it all comes up. Yeah. I'm just really trying to avoid that. <laughs> I just want to get a head start. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be bad if I don't. <laughs> I can feel it. Well, I, I mean, I, so I follow you on Twitter, and um, you're always posting these really kind of provocative videos and photos. And the one that really caught my attention, I think you actually put this on Instagram, was the one where you put your own menstrual blood yeah. all over your face. So can you tell me a little bit about that? What was the meaning behind that? What was your inspiration for that? What was the reaction of people to that? I'll start with the reaction. Surprisingly, I was terrified, absolutely terrified to do that. Yeah. But surprisingly, I got literally maybe two bad comments on that mm-hmm. post. I I didn't get a single I didn't get a single anything somebody outright just blatantly attacking me. I got nothing but uplifting beautiful comments about people just really realizing the guts and balls that it must have taken and realizing the message that I was trying to deliver with that. Mm-hmm. And my purpose for doing that is it's a shocking, shocking message to mm-hmm. see some woman with period blood on her fucking face. Mm-hmm. In our society that we live in, that is not okay. Right. That is completely disgusting, and you are highly judged for doing something like that, right. and you are questioned for your mental stability. <laughs> Which, whatever, you know, yeah. a little crazy never hurt anybody. Yeah. But I, for one, know that I am very mentally stable, <laughs> <laughs> and that that was that was a an artistic way for me to get a message through and that message is this is our body and there's nothing fucking wrong with our bodies mm-hmm. and the things that they do and the way that they like work mm-hmm. women have this insane shame surrounding their period and their sexuality and their bodies mm-hmm. like periods are gross i can't let anybody know that i'm on my period i can't have sex on my period. I can't have sex on my period. Yeah, like the, I, I'm gross on my period. Right. And I just wanted to kind of break through that with a fucking axe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's on my face, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, talk about like <laughs> being very upfront about it. I mean, your yeah. face is like the one part of your body that everybody really looks at. So exactly. putting it on your face is definitely like putting it out there. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I like... When we are children, we don't feel this shame that we're taught as we grow up. Mm-hmm. When I was a girl, when I was like 
13 and I had my first period, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I didn't think I was gross. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was lucky enough to have a mom that was very um, body positive, sex positive, mm-hmm. just everything. So I didn't think I was gross. And then I got out into the world and suddenly I felt gross for having a period. Mm. And I was really, I was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I made art with it the same morning. I like made a, p- <laughs> a pussy blood painting. <laughs> Wait, after you first got your period? Um, no, when I did the put it on my face oh, and made okay. the post. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, that's progressive. <laughs> I really just wanted to get back to like the child that in inside of myself that would mm-hmm. explore my body without any judgment, like mm. or any preconceived notion of what's okay and what's not okay. Just, right. I wanted to explore myself without judgment. Yeah. So um, you, I know, are obviously a very spiritual person, <laughs> and um, I believe you spent some time in Ecuador, right? Yes. And what were you doing out there? So um, in Ecuador, I went to my first ever healing retreat. It was at a very dark time in my life. I had first come to L.A., and I was kind of swarmed with this materialistic, egotistical society mm-hmm. that exists here in L.A., where are you from originally? I'm from uh, originally, originally, North Carolina is where I was born. I am from Washington where I was raised. Okay. And I moved from Portland. Just to clarify, this is the, you know, I, I see there's so many different, like, oh, she's from Portland. And I'm like, no, I'm not, but okay. But um, basically I went to Ecuador because I just really needed some clarity. And I felt, I follow my impulses. That's kind of what I'm all about. Um, Abraham Hicks, somebody that I really love. Uh, they do a podcast, actually. And I just, I was really inspired by one of them. They said, follow your impulses. And so that's kind of what I've done my whole life is just follow my impulses and not look at it with this preconceived moralistic opinions of others' view. So I really was like, you know what? I know that a lot of people would think that I should just be working, working, working right now. But I think that I feel impulsively drawn to honor myself inside and take a break and go to this healing retreat in Ecuador because I feel drawn and impulsively drawn to mm-hmm. this healing retreat. Right. So we get there. It's amazing. It's a third world country, so it's quite shocking. Yeah. And we do mushroom a mushroom ceremony and a bunch of other beautiful things. I'm doing qigong every day. I'm doing breath What's work. That? So qigong is basically where you are using your physical body to move energy throughout your body. And I I like to scientifically back up all of my spiritual beliefs. Okay. So there's like an electromagnetic field that exists on everything. Right. There's other different fields of, a, of energy that also exist that we can't totally see because mm-hmm. it's not part of the physical, you know, like this is a table. Like. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and that's also like what people would consider auras. I have short-term memory loss, and I just forgot what I was saying. <laughs> you were talking about um, the thing that I forgot how to pronounce. Qigong, yes. Qigong, yes, moving so, energy fields. Yes, so it's using your body to move energy throughout your body and just get it moving, get it flowing. And we were doing that all the time. We were doing meditation, heavy, heavy yoga, really just getting the energy and the thought processes that I'm having so I can properly process what I'm thinking about going. Mm-hmm. And during that trip, because it's in a third world country, I really got to get away from the society, the egotistic, materialistic society that I had come to in L.A., which was very different from what I had left in Portland. Mm -hmm. 
And taking a step back like that, I realized I don't care about expensive purses. I don't care about expensive cars. I That's not me. That's me caring about that because I feel like I have to have this to be accepted and to get love. But mm-hmm. I don't actually care about those things. Right. Me, separate from everyone else. Right, right, right. So I, I just surrendered to that thought. Like I don't. I don't have to care about these things anymore, mm-hmm. even if it's scary and even if people don't accept me or look at me as highly because I don't show up wearing this purse that has this brand on it or in a car. That was really insanely beautiful. So I was so inspired by how much I changed in Ecuador. My depression after I left Ecuador, I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. My anxiety that I have really bad, I didn't feel it. Mm. I was given all of these tools to upkeep that feeling this blissful, no depression, no anxiety feeling. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I've just been so, oh my God, I just feel so light and beautiful. And how long ago was this? Oh, I think that was like hmm, four months ago, around four months ago. Okay. Five months ago. Not long at all. Okay. So not terribly long. Do you find like the anxiety and the depression creeping back in at all? Yes. Okay, but you feel like you've learned some tools to help keep it at bay. Yeah, and I'm constantly trying to find new ones. Mm. Just like I don't mind battling. <laughs> well, life is a struggle. Yeah, and I want I wanted to provide that as well. I was so inspired by this retreat in Ecuador um, that I wanted to provide the same experience for other people and especially provide a safe space for people in the industry because there are so many girls dropping off because they are committing suicide. Um because there's so many pressures from so many aspects of the materialistic, egotistical society in L.A., the pressure, all the people, all the pre- – like, you know, I, I bless our, our fans' hearts, but some of them um, don't think before they talk and mm. they bully these girls. And there's just so much that goes into it. And it's really hard to find a safe space as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And I want to provide this place right, where it's just safe for anybody. Right. No matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, life is is difficult enough as it is, and especially in modern day life. I mean, you know, we have so much coming at us at all times with, you know, social media and the internet and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like today's youth, like, I mean, studies have shown that anxiety, suicide rates, depression has skyrocketed in our youth. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, I think the internet has created this, like, sense of immediacy in us where we feel like we immediately need to achieve these goals. We immediately need to respond to this text message or this email. We immediately need to be famous, you know, like the whole like, um, you know, just get on a reality TV show and all of a sudden you're famous without like having had to work for it for many years. Um, And uh, the, you know, social media giving us this, this sense of inferiority that we've got to be like this person who isn't even like the person that they're trying yeah. to show that they're like. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, I always joke, I'm like, oh, if you look at my Instagram, my life is like amazing. It's not that amazing. Right. I have tons <laughs> of problems. I still cry sometimes. Yeah. I mean, my, my brother's dog <laughs> shit all over my bedroom last night. He woke me up at three in the morning and I had to fucking clean it and it was horrible. Oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I was just like, this is, this is awful. But, um, so I, I guess my point is, is so all of these things that are happening right now anyways, and then you look at, you know, girls in the sex industry and sex workers, and you're so much more 
prevalent now and so much more exposed now because so before the internet came along you know you could be a porn star you could do a couple of scenes and you could maybe like slowly kind of fade away because the only people that are going to see you are people who buy VHS or magazines or whatever and these are physical um, physical things that can be lost can vanish like you know can be I mean fuck dude VHS's stretch out if you watch them too many times so it's it's almost like you can kind of disappear but now with the internet like everything there is there forever and it's there's just and there's this culture around constantly you know regurgitating people's past mm-hmm. as well so like you really can't get away with it get away from it and you know with social media just all these people everybody has a fucking soapbox now and everybody everybody's opinion too and everybody can contact you and tell you what they think of you <laughs> people that would normally never be able to ever get your attention would never be face to face to you with exactly. you and it's like hundreds of thousands or millions of people and suddenly you're subject to all this constant judgment and not only that but you are working in the sex industry and we know that people have a serious fucking hang-ups about sex yeah and america right right yeah mostly america and so it's all of those things and then especially too a lot of these girls are so young and they haven't even like developed you know their sense of self their yeah. confidence there's and they're having all these voices screaming at them where they're yes. just trying to find their own right exactly <laughs> and and these people judging them about you know how they're making a living and it is harder these days to make a living than it used to be oh yeah you know i mean back in the 50s you know by the time you were in your 20s you had a stable job you had a pension you had a fucking house you had kids like you could buy a house yeah. nobody can buy a house anymore Mm-mm. it's insane yep so it's it's like we just put all this intense – so with social media, we put all this intense pressure on people about who they're supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to be this by this age. I mean the whole Forbes like millionaires under the age of 30 or whatever the fuck it is. You know, it's just like this – and this obsession with youth. And and then on top of it, you're giving – you're living in this economy where it's like almost impossible to achieve those things. Yeah. So it's like all of these Setting things. Setting up for miserableness. Yeah. That's not a word. Misery. Misery. <laughs> It can be a word now. Yeah. I got so emotional. That's the great thing about the internet. I mean, you know, woke wasn't a word before. Now it is. I know. And I do think that the internet is a, a beautiful tool. And that's what I'm trying to use my platform as, definitely. Yes. That's why I'm really glad we're talking about these amazing topics. And you're actually giving me some beautiful insights and reminding me of some things that I had forgotten about. So thank you. Thank you. But yeah, you're right. There's a flip side to it. So on, you know, there's obviously all the negative side to it. But on totally. the other side, social media and the internet has been an incredible platform to push progressive change. I mean, look at like all of the issues that we're, we're, we've been forced to confront face to face, you know, transgender, um, you know, people who've been, you know, gay people who are coming out, like you've got all the judgment that you, but you've also found this massive support group, you know, and people that are willing and all of these people that thought they had something wrong with them or they were into something weird, find that there's thousands of other people that are like them. So it's also yeah. been an incredible tool <laughs> to bring people together as well. And it's a great platform for people like you who want to share a different kind of message Yeah, and influence. challenge the status quo. Yeah. And I think that's something that we should all think about a little bit is like, what are we influencing people to do? Like the stuff that we're putting out there, we do have the ability to put 
good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. What are we influencing people to do? Are we influencing like there was this? I can't remember his name. Oh, it's it's Prince I E on Instagram, and he's amazing. Mm. If you guys want to look into him, he recently did a video where he was like, they like you know how there's social media influencers on Instagram, like mm-hmm. your social media influencer, your Instagram famous, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, I look at their profile and I just don't know what they're influencing people to do. (laughs) Is it to look like you? Is it to have your clothes? Is it to travel over and not seemingly work a job? Is it to... Get fucking butt implants? Yeah, right? (laughs) Thank you, Holly. sorry, the butt implant thing's getting out of control. It is. I mean, some of them look glorious and it's your body, ladies, but if you're going to post stuff like that, you should also post... Like, think about what you're influencing people to do because think about the life that you're living for yourself. Like, like I, I, I'm so glad that you have all those nice cars and those expensive bags and those beautiful locations that you're traveling to, but but no, a lot of people can't have those. So let's give mm-hmm. the people that can't have those things tools to happiness as well. And I don't think those things are actually making you happy anyway. Right. So take a fucking look in the mirror. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I think this world is enveloped in consumerism. It's hilarious to me. <laughs> it is. It is. And it, you know, it always has been, but I feel like maybe now it's like at warp speed. Yeah. But also too, I feel like, I think that people are becoming woke to that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, people are starting to see that and I think there's, there's a shift. It'll be really interesting to see like what like the next generation is going to be like. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, I mean, information is now coming out like so much faster than you could, you could ever imagine so I do want to make a note on the body modification thing I don't ever want any women listening to this to think that I don't understand them because I have gotten body modifications I've gotten lip injections and under eye injections and cheek injections oh girl I need Botox like there's no fucking number <laughs> I um, feel you I was gonna go today but then I didn't have time <laughs> exactly so, yeah no, no no I'm not saying anything about like be all natural trust me but yeah I do feel like I don't know I'm just starting to see it's starting to get a li- in my opinion it's starting to get a little cartoonish. Yeah, just it a is. little bit extreme. I think people. I don't know. I, I just think. And I'm not happy. Otherwise, I don't think that overboard. if I was happy with myself, I don't think that I would care so much about these things. Yeah. Like I'm just. I gotta be real with myself. Like yeah, you're also <laughs> human too. You know. I yeah. Mean, true. Like we. You know. As much as you're you're on this journey to tr- you know to self discovery and and to try to love yourself as who you are. I mean, we still we live in the real world. Yeah, thank you, Holly. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I get so hard on myself. I'm like, you can be the happiest person alive. But I have to remember that, like, fuck, you know, it makes me a little happy to put a little injection in my eyebrow and, like, get rid of that wrinkle that's forming that should not be forming at 22. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, if there's things that you can do to make yourself feel better, I think I think you should do it. I just What worries me is when I see it become kind of an addiction. Uh, you yeah, know, exactly. For people where, like, they're never, like, they're ne- and you start to get, you start to see real body dysmorphia happening. Yeah. Where people are, you know, what they see in the mirror is is not a true reflection of, of how they look. And then they're just never happy. Exactly. And they have to constantly and, and so get more evident. and more and more and more and more. And it's just like, you were beautiful before. Yeah. You know? Exactly. When you get so far from what you used to really look like, that's what yeah. it's like, wait a second, I liked your real face yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it's your face, so you do what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I guess my, my issue would be is for people who are constantly doing stuff to themselves and, and it doesn't make them happier. Exactly. That's when you might want to re-examine why you're doing all of that. Exactly. Yeah. 
So you, okay, so I want to talk about this retreat ah. that you want to build, right? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. So I fell in love with Ecuador. I'm so sorry. I guess I got all distracted. That's okay. I'm a very scattered person. That's okay. <laughs> we can go on tangents. It's not a problem. Okie dokie. Um, I was so inspired by my experience. I I really felt like I was reborn as a person. And mm. I just I shed so many of my issues and I just kind of awakened. And I really wanted to provide that for people because I feel like we're at this highly important place in humanity and in the development of humanity and civilization further into the future. And a lot of things are being neglected and not focused on enough, Mm. such as loving ourselves and connecting to nature, Mm. connecting to each other. We're not truly connecting to each other anymore, and we're not truly connecting to our real environment anymore. Mm -hmm. The manufactured environment that has been created by humanity is not the world. Yeah. The world is the planet right? and, like, her raw state. Mm-hmm. And when you get farther and farther and farther and farther away from that, you lose connection with yourself, I kind of feel like, because in a scientific perspective, you're made up of cells. You are completely made up of cells that came from the earth in some form. Mm-hmm. You evolved from the earth. At the very beginning of time, you were hydrogen. Mm. Like, you are the planet. Yeah. From a scientific perspective. So it's like... And you will be the planet once again. Exactly. Yeah. So getting farther and farther and farther and farther away from the planet and not truly thinking about the consequences of your actions is just... It's very funny to me. And I I don't know why what I was thinking before. But I really want to focus on the environmental issues going on in the world because we're going to eventually lose our resources. You know, Mm -hmm. there's only so much that we can... That we, there's only so many things we can use, and there's only so many people, and like there's so many people in the world that need to be fed, that need to be taken care of, and we're running out of resources. We mm-hmm. really are. We are hurting the planet to the point where we're experiencing more natural disasters than we ever have in such close proximity to each other. Yeah, it's getting crazy. The world and the planet is in, is reacting to what's going on. And I just think that we should all focus a little bit more on what we could do. And I know that a lot of us don't care because it might not affect us. Maybe we'll die before we see the consequences. But that's why I think that if we can reconnect to our planet, we will care because humans are naturally driven by pleasure. Mm. And when they realize that feeling close to the earth as she, like she is and not feeling super disconnected from nature and as a whole makes you feel good, mm-hmm. that really motivates you to protect what makes you feel good because yeah. that's what motivates humans. Yeah, Not absolutely. looming doom, weirdly. Right. But, <laughs> but feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying like pleasure is more of a motivator than fear. Yeah, and I want to do that with my healing retreat. I want to like really um, bring the pleasure that nature brings to people, mm-hmm. the connectivity, the feeling of like peace that it really brings when right. you're in nature. And propel people to connect to themselves, to connect to other people really intimately and vulnerably because mm-hmm. we don't connect to each other vulnerably. We wear these stupid fucking masks. Mm-hmm. And I just want us to connect to nature, ourselves, the planet. And I feel like that would be really impactful and amazing. And I I think that that's, that's what I should do for the world. <laughs> so do you like have any immediate plans for this or is this just something that you're kind of building on in your mind? Um, I do have some immediate plans. So I know 
we've bought the land already. Oh wow! So this is no joke. Yeah, like okay. I don't spend my I'm very, I'm I save a lot of my money, mm-hmm. and like so even though I haven't worked too much, like pretty much every penny <laughs> goes into this goal. Um. Basically, we've already bought the land, and we're doing the building. We're going to have a dojo for yoga, qigong, et cetera, so on forth. We're going to have a huge garden that everybody can work in, so they can literally connect to nature and have this mm-hmm. like feeling of like nurturing the earth and like putting your fingers in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few other things: we're going to have a heat lodge, a sweat lodge, um, plenty of plenty of rooms and board and stuff like that. And then a few other things that I might add on later in the future, and I'll have my house built there. Um, but I'm just really excited to learn and keep learning about what I can do and give to myself and other people in this community. And I do think that I have been very negative in some aspects in this podcast, but I think that we are on the right track in the world and that we're moving perfectly in accordance to what we're supposed to. I know there's a lot of bad things going on, but I think we have to remember that a lot of bad things happened before a lot of good things. Well, and that's that's very true. And also, too, we – and the media focuses on all the negative, negativity as well. Yeah. That's what sells. Yeah, exactly. Because fear sells. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast with um, – it was on Joe Rogan. And god damn it, I can't remember the guy's name, like Steve Pinkerton or something like that. Um, and he's like – he's kind of one of those – sociologists who who's like a has a positive outlook and he was just talking about how um you know we you know obviously what makes the news is you know how many people have died or all of these disasters that have happened or how um ways in which the world is getting better but what isn't news is how like the hole in the ozone layer has yeah. healed and like how we've brought these many people out of poverty and um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there, I mean, you can always find the positive, um, but the negative is what sells. But also too, I think that you need to be aware of the negative and you need to know about it so that we can invoke change. Exactly. Because you can't change things unless you know about the things that need to be changed and you raise awareness and and that's what, you know, yes. starts that whole process. So Exactly. I think it's all of those things. Yeah. I I have so many points that I always want to talk about, so I feel like I deliver them in a very interesting way, but I feel like you definitely clear up what I say. <laughs> kind of you sum it up in a very beautiful way. I'm here to summarize for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm your cliff notes. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really gloriously excited for my healing retreat, and I think that it, it will. I think that it's going to kind of set me free. So once it's built, I'm just kind of going to kind of take off and explore the world mm. and try and expand my mind the most that I can and learn as much as I can about this world and like where it's actually at and its standings, so that I can add that to my healing retreat. But it will be up and running and probably. Three years, um, I might not be be there all the time, mm-hmm. but I will still be in contact with the person that will be running with, and it'll be, we'll be co-running it basically. But yeah. yeah, that's a big project to take on by yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really great that you're going to go travel. That's something honestly that I kind of wish that I had done in my youth. Um, I just you know I went straight from high school to college, and then I went straight from college to work. And I never, I mean, I don't worry, don't get me wrong, I've traveled, but like, totally. I never really took that time off to go travel. And I'm now stuck in the hamster wheel where like that will never happen. Like I can't, yep. you know, I have a career, I have a business, I have to run. So um, there's a big part of me that very much 
regrets that, but yeah, it is what it is. I think you made the right move given all that you knew at the time. And look yeah. at you now. You have a beautiful business and you're Thanks. very successful. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my life and I certainly have no complaints. And, yeah. um, you know, there's not to say that I can't travel piecemeal. Yeah, you know, exactly. But I just never, <laughs> I don't know. There's a part of me. There, there's something in, uh, you know, my parents are British and there's something in England they call the gap year. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's between high school and college where you take a year off and you literally just go travel, which is a lot easier in England because Europe is all small and next to each other uh-huh. and you can fly <laughs> and yeah. be in Spain in like 40 fucking minutes. Here you get on a plane and you're in Vegas. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not like a huge cultural difference between those two. So no. it's a little easier to travel over there in Europe. But um, yeah, that's kind of something I always wish I had done. But yeah. It is you are is. super focused on your freaking career. Yeah. So that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of fell into it. So <laughs> you're like, no, don't give me that much credit. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, I was working for my parents. So, you know. Okay, true. That's so beautiful. You have that like family unit, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm super lucky. My family's awesome and we're yeah. all very close. So I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for everything in my life. I really am. Yeah. And I'm at this moment mostly grateful to you for coming on. Ah! How Thank is you that so for much. a fucking segue I to the end of the podcast? Know, that was amazing. Right? <laughs> I'm getting good at this. Let's just point that out for a second. Acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's, let's not be smooth about it and let it just slide. Let me just like throw That's some not how like, we work. fucking fireworks around that and be like, I did good. Give me a cookie. Mm-hmm. I'm a great <laughs> podcast host. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on and giving me a voice. Of course. Anytime. Can you tell our listeners where they can please find you on social media? Absolutely. After we just talked about how damaging social media is, now go look her up on social media. <laughs> I know, right? Well, before I say, I, before I give you my social media, I will say that I use my social media as a tool to influence people for good and to make them look at themselves and to make them look at what's going on in the world and to take the focus away from cars, purses, and beauty standards that can't be reached. So if you want to find all that good stuff and an intimate look into my life and to who I am, you can find me on Instagram at a little wolf, no caps, no spaces, with the E at the end. And the same thing for Twitter, a little wolf, no caps, no spaces, with the E at the end. Yeah, I definitely encourage you guys to follow her. She is a very interesting follow, and she posts all kinds of really interesting, provocative videos and and uh, photos. She's definitely not like uh, most porn stars, that's for <laughs> sure. And you guys can follow me and uh, see me post all these pictures where I lie about my life and pretend it's perfect. <laughs> at <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> you do good, Holly. <laughs> you do your best. If you want to follow me, bullshit <laughs> about everything you can follow me at holly randall on twitter and on instagram ivy thank you so much for coming thank you so much i hope you all have a wonderful day see you guys next week i just want to thank you guys for listening um you being here means everything but what would mean even more to me is if you would go on itunes rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend if you know somebody that's fascinated by the adult industry but doesn't know anything about it or is really into a certain performer or guest that i have on the show tell them about it because you know podcasts really grow by word of mouth and your recommendation means a lot to me 
What also means a lot to me is your money because this does cost me money to produce. So if you can support me by going to my Patreon and joining, I give away really cool prizes, gifts. You get access to the live streams. There's just so much cool stuff that you get in exchange for your support. So go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Next week on the show, I have porn superstar and an old friend of mine, Brett Rossi. She is a very smart girl. She is a very beautiful girl. But most of all, she is a very interesting girl, and she's always so much fun to have on, and I can't wait to have her here. So make sure that you tune in next week for Brett Rossi on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>